Hello and welcome to another episode of The Hooligan Report. I'm joined once again by Boyan. Hi, Matt. Um, and we'll get straight into it. And it will be with a game that you're probably not too keen to chat about, but uh, it was a pretty interesting result um, in terms of league standing, consequences for managers, etc. And that was Chelsea defeating United 4-0. Uh, what did you make of the game to start with? Well... Wasn't too great from my perspective. <laughs> I mean, after after the the first goal went in that early, I just thought, oh, the, the game it is not over at, at all, and there's plenty of time for us to get goals back. Um, after the second one went in, I thought this is not looking good. Not just because of the, the goals were going in, but we just weren't creating enough clear cut clear cut chances. I mean. If, if you looked at the statistics after after the game, it was you know it could have been nil nil or two two based on those statistics. But of course, the key one is goals scored and goals conceded, and you know we were well and truly trounced uh, there. I mean, the the only gripe or excuse I, I really had for the game was uh, Martin Atkinson. How that guy that guy refs United Chelsea games every year that I. And remember, really, and third used to have problems with this bloke. How did he not send off David Louise for that challenge on Fellaini? Yeah. I know it's Fellaini, and don't get me wrong, I, I hate him just as much as everyone else on the board hates him for the elbows and all that crap. But you can't go in and just basically stud someone in the knee and just get a booking. This when when the same bookings were were handed out for far less offences earlier and. Later on in the game, so that that was my my, my only gripe. But uh, look, Chelsea fully de- deserved uh, the three points. I was really disappointed um, in United from a couple of reasons. I just thought the lack of consistency, the way we defended against Liverpool, we basically set up the same way. The difference was really intensity, um, and we just didn't show the right mentality. And I think that that's that's the big the big change between whatever you say about the managers that have come and gone at United since Birdie retired, that's the biggest change. I was speaking to a, a, a mate during the week about uh, oh, about four or five years ago, United going to, to uh, the Emirates to Arsenal in the Champions League semi-final away lead and rolling them 3-1 and completely dominating the game with Anderson, Darren Fletcher and Patrick Sung as a midfield three. Not many people rate those players. But they just had the a winning champion mentality. These players, for all for all the individual skills that a lot of them do have, they just aren't showing the right mentality at the moment. I kind of want something controversial to come into to come to Mourinho. He just seems not to have that spark right now. You know, I was expecting to turn up to United and be an arrogant arsehole and piss everyone off. In that sense, then. Um... Talking about talking about a controversial moment. Obviously, there was the incident at the end of the game where he uh, had a bit of a talk to Conte about the fact that he <laughs> was revving up the crowd. Um, people have sort of suggested that that was intentional uh, and that's calculated Mourinho trying to take the focus off the players. Um, what do you make of it? Well, I know that Chelsea, sorry, Stanford Bridge is basically a library. It's it's like it's like the the old library. No, it, it is true, and I've made this point a couple of times. The traditional Chelsea supporter base cannot afford tickets to go to those games. 
Um, and so you've got the Prawn Sandwich Brigade and lots of clubs, including mine, are guilty of having those type of supporters. And United Away support is basically famous in England for being the loudest in the country. And United's, you know, two or 3,000 people in the ground were out seeing Chelsea fans all day. And it was only when Conte at the end went the rev up that they actually made themselves heard, I guess. Uh, in terms of deflection... Oh, I, don't, I don't think so. If he was trying to deflect anything, I would have thought he'd have, said, he'd have mentioned the David Luiz challenge more and really said, well, that was the turning point. That was the blame and blame the referee. Unless he's just, you know, <laughs> it has altered that bitch juice from his Chelsea uh, time, at, time at Chelsea last last season. But um, I'm not sure. I don't think it was much of an excuse. It probably just pissed him off more than anything else because he was 4 0 down. Fair enough. Um, is it concerning the nature of those last two goals, just the way that, um, for instance, Hazard was able to kind of coast through your defence and then Kante was basically just allowed to walk in? The Kante one especially, it just kind of, as, as I was alluding to earlier, that um, mentality is not right. You should, I mean, you'd, you'd want your and expect your side to try not to concede goals from whether it's the first minute or the 93rd minute of, of a game. You know, even if you're getting beat 2-0 and you know you're going to beat, um, be beaten, you still want, surely you have pride, and that kind of pride and that mentality just isn't there right now. It is concerning, which, you know, Chris Smalling, I think he just had one of those days at the office. Um, very, very, very poor. Uh, Bailey being injured wasn't great, so I think he's out six to eight weeks, and then there's going to be... Mourinho versus the, um, I think it's from the Ivory Coast. Um, Mourinho versus Ivory Coast as to whether we let him go to African Cup of Nations after doing his knee. Yeah. So, so that'll be a drama. Um, so, yeah, and we've had we've had more injuries, which led to, obviously, that terrible defence in the League Cup that somehow managed to win that down. But, <laughs> yeah, there's lots, lo- lo- lots of concerns at the moment uh, at United, I'd say. From a Chelsea point of view, then, how do you see them progressing in the league this season? Do you see, um, the, I mean, for the last month now, they've looked remarkably solid with that 3-4-3 um, formation. Do you see that as sort of um, um, being a good st- uh, stepping stone for them to, to really mount a challenge for either top four or, or even the title? Uh, well, I mean, I'd... I'd... Might be a hypocrite if I said top four or the title, considering it was only about a week ago I said no <laughs> to top four <laughs> and contending with the title and, and, until next season. But um, what it's up to them, I guess, to pr- prove me wrong. I think that performance, while they've been stretching out some results, that performance is probably an, an outlier based on the way this season's gone. But look, if they can keep things tight at the back, they've probably got enough to score one to two goals at, every week. I mean, the real, the real standout in in that game wasn't Cancer, it wasn't Hazard, it wasn't Costa, it was guys like Victor Moses. I mean, how many? He's pretty much played for half the Premier League teams, and he's and has pretty much been either loaned out or sold, sold, and just been a bit of a journeyman career. But see what Dad Conte has really given him a new lease of life, and if he can get those supporting cast players to. Um, consistently lift their level of performance, maybe they will prove me wrong and sneak into the top four. But I still had them around the fifth to sixth mark for this uh, season. Um, and then we'll talk now about uh, the Burnley defeat 
of Everton 2-1 with a really late goal there for Burnley to win that game. Um, I suppose this is an interesting result in a couple of senses because Everton have really sort of stumbled in the last month or so after a pretty fantastic start to the season where I think they were second on the table at one point. Um, mm. So the the two sides to this, I'll, I'll ask you first about Everton and what this result means for them uh, and, then, and then what it means for Burnley and their survival prospects. Well, regarding Everton, I'm not concerned at all. <clears throat> I mean, Tromans hasn't been around that long. I, I personally rate him highly. There'll be dips in, in performance. I think you'll find that come January, there'll be, and there needs to be, defensive reinforcements brought into that team. I mean, Jaggy Elka, he's long, long way past it. He was past it two years ago, let alone now. Now. And that they they've just been bought out by a pretty wealthy bloke, and he's committed to putting plenty of cash in, into that club. So I still see them around the fifth to, fifth to sixth mark. Uh, I mentioned it a lot last time um, I was on, but he really needs to get, get their talisman, Ross Barkley, firing. He's he's the key to them. If if he's firing when he's up and about, they're up and about, and he's real the really the bellwether for that team. So if Coleman can get them can get him going. They should do really well. I mean, I still have them around that, that kind of fifth or sixth mark too. I've probably got about four or five teams in that fifth or sixth mark, to be fair. Um, <laughs> and on, on, on to Burnley. Michael Keane, mate. He has been fantastic this year at the back. Fantastic this year. Um, and he really leads that defence and keeps the goals out. For them, and they're just doing enough to sneak results at the moment. I hope they stay up, mainly because for some reason not, not a lot of people like Sean Dyche, so that's led me to support him. Um, <laughs> and it's it's a, a lot easier this year now they don't have Joey Barton, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think I think they'll have enough to stay up. I mean, in in this league, if you do not concede goals and, and you've got good leadership at the back, and if you, and you can sneak a couple, that then He'll stay up, which is which would be remarkable for them because I mean in the two previous Premier League seasons they haven't managed to stay up. So for Burnley supporters and from their perspective, it would be um, a good outcome for them. Um, West Ham also won with a late goal against Sunderland in a one-nil win, and um, coupled with we will talk about the League Cup results in a second, but coupled with their also uh, defeat in the League Cup, it's looking pretty grim for Sunderland and and especially for Moyes. Yeah, well, look, if he's still in charge in in mid-November, I think I might just call it and say that they're down. Um, this might be the year, <laughs> finally, for them. They just don't have they don't have the goals, pure and simple. Uh, Jermaine Defoe it was fantastic last year. He's got zero service at all this year. Yanu's eyes. Been out injured, and he provided a spark at the st- at the start of the season. But without that kind of spark and a bit of creativity, there's just Defoe isn't getting enough chances, and they're not scoring goals. You can kind of couple that with the fact that they're not they're, not, they're conceding far too many, and they're just getting overrun in midfield. That their playing squad's pretty atrocious, to be honest. So, I'd, yeah, no, I'll go, I'll go as far as to say that they're done. Um, from a West Ham perspective, they've, they're out of the relegation zone for the first time this season. 
Um, off the field, I, I know. I, I think you've said that you've been to a couple of games at the London Stadium, mm-hmm. uh, or the Olympic Stadium, or whatever it's called. Um, what's your sense on the uh, issues with the crowds? Well, I think it's really. Uh, I think it's getting progressively worse. There, I don't think there's much doubt about that. Um, yeah, look, I'm just trying to compare it to other situations where teams are trying to move, but it's it's but very different to the Arsenal one. Um, but yeah, the way the the layout of the stadium and where they have opposition and home fans located and the barriers between the two sets of fans, quite frankly, aren't good enough. They aren't good enough at all. I.e., what I'm saying is that it's far too easy for the opposition fans to get to the home fans and vice versa. There's, there's no barriers there at all, really. It's just a basically, I don't know, three or four cops. So you, you see during these games, the hardcore supporter base, is just the away fans are the hardcore fans, right? Yeah. They're the hardest edits you can get. Um, so you've got the, like, the away Chelsea fans. Whatever I said about the prawn sandwich with David at Stanford Bridge, the away ones, they're, they're the hard asses, right? And so they're going against West Ham fans who are just a little bit crazy. And so that's kind of uh, sparking that. I know the, the response from the police, they really put it back on the, on the stadium owners and said this is, this is probably the, like, the worst stadium that they have to, have to police in the country for that because of those same problems with the layout. I mean, whether it's affecting the, the team on the pitch... I don't think so. I think they'd probably be fighting a, a lot, lot less if they were winning more, more, more often. I guess, <laughs> but um, I, I don't think the effect goes the other way. But yeah, they they do need to. Well, the stadium owners need to listen to the listen to the police and find out a way to sort this out because it doesn't reflect well on on their club at all. And if they're looking at fill, at staying there long term and filling that stadium every week, they're going to need all all the fans that, that they can get. And you know, if I if I had kids and I was a West Ham fan, I wouldn't be taking my child to London Stadium. No way. Yeah, I've heard those similar comments from um, Hull supporters saying they're not going to take their kids to away games there, and I think that's certainly where the uh, situation's at. So it'll be interesting to see what the investigation uh, or the um, the outcome of these sorts of events is. Um, I think there's been some suggestion that they could have to play games behind closed doors, which. Um, would would that be a first in the Premier League? I'm just trying to think. I can't I can't really think of any other instances of behind closed door games. I don't no. No, no, no. They they don't need to play behind closed door games. That's ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. There are far worse kind of um, I guess potential fights at derbies and stabbings and lots of kind of violence and they found out ways to it's 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 funny at all the other stadiums right once they've got the fans into the ground because what they, they bring one set in earlier than the other and and they have a p- police basically taking them in separately and there's no way for the home fans to interact with the away fans before games and this is the irony it's all about while they're in the ground as well the fighting as opposed to outside the ground so they just need to put up barriers effectively but between the two sets of supporters, and it's just too easy. Like you'll, you'll have, the way they've got it set up, you've got kind of home fans almost surrounding the away fans, so rather than them having a, a singular kind of um, section of, of the ground going all the way up, you've got home fans above them as well. So what do you yeah, think right. the home fans going to do? Throw shit down at them, yeah. you know? So it's just really silly. They really need to, need to sort that out. I think, no, they don't need to... Um, Stop 
home fans don't those times. They just need to be, be a bit smarter about it. Um, and the final result we'll talk about in detail is the uh, Man City draw with Southampton 1-1. Um, concerning for Man City in the sense that it's now, I think, five games without a win for City, uh, now six with the loss in the League Cup as well. Um, a few City supporters on the board have said there's no cause for concern, but what's your take on the events? And the well, City fans on the board will never say there's any cause for concern, no matter what <laughs> what's going on it anyway. Um I will, you know, you've got you've got Guardiola. There's no, zero chance, zero chance he's going to change anything about the way he plays. So there's not even much point really getting concerned about it. But they're still top. Look, I guess the, the if you exclude the four, I guess of those six games I have, I haven't won. The first four, I would just kind of what write them off as them being a little bit unfortunate outside of being belted in Barcelona. You know, they created heaps of chances and didn't put them away. What was concerning, if I was a City supporter, if there was something to be concerned about, the fact that the last two games they didn't create anything. Yeah. So that would be that would be the point of concern. Um, not having uh, created anything, even when they've had Kevin De Bruyne. But... You know, to teams go through these lulls, I wouldn't be concerned long term. I think what it shows is that the Premier League is a league which Guardiola's never managed in, and the standard is a lot higher across the board. Not at the top level, so the standard in the leagues that he's come from. Well, okay, the standard in in uh, La Liga, you had one other te- one other super super team, or potentially two. And the rest of them are minnows, right? Who are just, you know, these players can go at pretty much 50% and walk through games. Bayern Munich, you play two or three big games a year, same thing. You come to England and you've got much smarter coaches who have been coaching with a, with a, with a high level of player. So you get, you get kind of, look at West Ham, who just got Valencia starting right winger from last year. Right, and, and he's playing yeah. for them. So, so you're getting kind of Champions League caliber players. Shakiri coming to the Premier League, playing for minnows, right? So the standards a lot higher. It's going to be a lot hot, harder for Guardiola than maybe he anticipated. But I don't think there's much point getting concerned because nothing's going to change outside of potentially personnel. Should they be well talking of personnel? Should they be concerned about the form of John Stones, who was directly culpable in the in the well in the only Southampton goal for the game? Uh, they're not going to drop him. Should they be concerned? Well, didn't we already know what this bloke was? <laughs> didn't 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 we know that his his main attributes is, are, are his passing and his ability to bring the ball out of out of out from the back? And given that Guardiola and look, I I like Guardiola, and I like I like the football he plays, right? But he does things very differently, and some things that I don't purely just don't agree with. And one thing is, I don't agree with having people like Alexander Kolarov, who couldn't defend you and I, playing at the bat just because he knows how to pass the ball well, you know? Because yeah. at some one stage or another, he's going to come a cropper, um, playing playing that way. And so I think we know what John Stones is. I hope for his and England's you know, career, uh, future, that he actually, that they are actually improving his defending and it's not just a pure focus. Because the way Guardiola's system works is that you 
you you defend by having the ball. So the other team only has the ball for twenty five percent of the games. So you're only getting, I guess, you know, fifty percent. You're probably doing fifty to seventy five percent less defending than he was last year at Everton. Um, so yeah, I, I was concerned when they signed him about that. And those, yeah, I'm happy with the way things are going with him at the moment. <laughs> uh, and then from, from Southampton's point of view, they've been on a pretty impressive run of form lately, um, also through in the League Cup. Um, what have you made of their start to the season? Well, I didn't really think Claude Puel would actually do very well. He hasn't, I think the last, he won a title with Monaco, I believe, quite some time ago, um, when they were kind of owned by... Well, they're still owned by a billionaire, but he no longer funds the club to the same level. But, uh, yeah, he, he won the lead with a squad that was far better than any, any other in, in the lead there, and it's been a while since he's kind of done anything. They started the season pretty slowly, but they're really starting to pick up now, and I've been re- really impressed. They've, they've they lost key players in the summer again. Um, Hoya Bird's been a really good signing. A really good uh, something for for them, and he could develop into a, a really top top quality player. So I've been I've been impressed, and surprisingly so. Um, we'll talk about the other results then, just briefly. And we had um, a couple of nil nil draws in the league to start the weekend off with. Bournemouth drawing nil-nil with uh, Spurs and Arsenal drawing nil-nil with Middlesbrough. I think that was Middlesbrough's first clean sheet against a London club in something like 26 attempts, which was a bit of an interesting stat that I saw. Um, we had Leicester beating Crystal Palace 3-1. Hull losing, <coughs> Hull losing once again to Stoke 2-0, which uh, was a pretty disappointing result. But um, in that game, I guess, uh, once we changed our formation going into the second half and, and Hernandez came off the bench... Everything looked a little bit better, um, which carried on into the League Cup uh, and will hopefully carry on into the game against Watford this weekend. Um, Swansea drew 0-0 with Watford, so it was actually three 0-0 draws uh, for the weekend. Uh, And then Liverpool 2-1 over West Brom. Um, Was there anything in there that caught your eye? Uh, Only really that kind of... Arsenal didn't really deserve to win that game against Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough pretty much had most of the best chances and looked really troubled. But again, I wouldn't be getting concerned about it if I'm an Arsenal fan. It's just sometimes those things happen. All right? um, and yeah, just I couldn't be more impressed with the job that Eddie Howe's doing at Bournemouth. I think he's got the potential to be a really high-quality manager going forward. Um, the League Cup results then were pretty um, good for our sides. Um, United beating City 1-0 uh, and Hull beating Bristol City 2-1. Um, Newcastle 6-0 with the big winners against Preston. Liverpool getting up despite resting a couple of their players um, against Spurs uh, 2-1 in that one. Arsenal 2-0 over Reading. West Ham 2-1 over Chelsea, which was a big result for them. Um, Leeds getting through on penalties against Norwich and Southampton knocking off Sunderland. Um, I guess out of those, the big results, I guess, were Liverpool beating Spurs and and you guys beating City. Um, So we've kind of alluded to it already, but what was your take on that game against City? Uh, It's just good to win for the confidence, really, of, of, of this side. I mean, I'm a fairly big believer in the fact that you should go into every game put into win. 
I know that that sounds silly, but a lot of teams take the yeah, lead no, cup. For sure don't take the lead cup very seriously and look I don't really take the lead cup very seriously at all but if you're putting out it the worst thing you know, I could have done is put out a strong team and then not care I'd have rather have seen a young team that really really cares about it but uh, look the the first team is that did play for us took it took it seriously enough um, and the Herrera's put into the quite the season because even thought that uh, he might be in line for the captaincy after we finally right. fucked right. off Rooney in January. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I just that the main thing was the the win, really. Um, and then Newcastle winning 6-0 is also a pretty standout result. So, they're tracking pretty nicely in the Cup as well. Yeah. I mean, to, to be honest, I don't watch much of the, the uh, Championship, but certainly scoring... Well, I don't remember them scoring this many goals on a consistent basis since Kevin Keegan was there. That's a long time ago. So yeah, Benitez is certainly... It's with the supposedly uh, defensive Benitez, who a few people were sort of criticising for that uh, when he was appointed there. Well, he hasn't got too many friends that way. Yeah. <laughs> he rubbed a lot of people up, up, up the wrong way. So it wasn't just United fans he rubbed up the wrong, the wrong way. But look, you know, all the best. Like Newcastle were a huge club. And um, they got a very loyal and large, large supporter base. And with the money behind them, even though it's in the hands of an absolute criminal, um, they should be in the Premier League. And uh, it won't be long till they're there. Yeah. Um, in terms of the draw for the next round, I think you guys have West Ham, don't you? Mm. Um, and then we've drawn Newcastle, uh, who I actually, to be honest, I think going into that game, it's we're almost the underdogs <laughs> in that one because... The um the ability and size of that squad, they really do basically just have a Premier League squad already, um, just playing in the Championship. Uh, so that'll be a quite closely run game, I think. Um, Liverpool have Leeds at home, and I think Arsenal are at home to Southampton, who a few people are, are convinced was a uh, a fixed job. Um, wh- what do you make of that draw? Who who do you see from here going on and winning the uh, the League Cup? <laughs> What's about? It depends if United keep putting out half the first team, really. Um, then I'd probably back us in, in as favourites, but I don't really want that to happen. Do you think I'd rather it's basically between save you our wins to the league? Uh, uh, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't. I wouldn't write off Southampton. Yeah. Yeah. The way they're playing, I wouldn't write them off. Um, but you'd have to think Liverpool are certainly. I don't think that they're the best team in the competition. I don't think they're in the top four best teams in the competition. But what I will say is that they have, they're in terms of form, they're up there. They're probably first in terms of in terms of form, in terms of playing to their potential. They are playing absolutely, matching out their potential. And so if they keep doing that, they'll be successful on all fronts, really. Uh, I'm really, I, I will watch the Leeds Liverpool game. I wish it was at. at Ellen Road instead. Um, their fans haven't had much joy for, for quite some time. So I was, I was really hoping for a Leeds United draw at Ellen Road. That I think most people were hoping they terrific. drew at Leeds because I know we were certainly hoping we got Leeds as well. Oh, well, more just the kind of the old days and the old rivalry. United yeah. versus Leeds was a pretty big rivalry back in the day. Um, so, but yeah, I think there's it's um, some good fixtures in the League Cup to look. Look out for. 
Okay, we'll uh, move on then and talk about the previews for the coming weekend now. Um, and it starts with a game between Sunderland and Arsenal, which uh, really promises that it could get a bit messy for Sunderland um, if Arsenal can run right in that one. They were held nil-nil with Middlesbrough last week, but apart from that, they've certainly been in scoring form. So how do you see that one panning out? Oh, Arsenal will be smarting after last week, so not just the performance, but also the the, the, the result. So I think they'll come out with a, a point to prove, and as I said before, when they're playing these minnows, once they get, you know... A few goals up, they can really start downhill skiing. So I think this could be a real painful one for Sunderland. I'm assuming this is at uh, the Emirates. Uh, no, it's at Stadium of Light for this one. Oh, that doesn't change anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd probably back in Arsenal 4 0 and uh, very, very comfortable. I just don't think they've got the. Well, they haven't got the squad, and as I was, they, they really don't have the mentality. You know, yeah. for. Moyes, Moyes was kind of famous at Everton for get, for getting the most out of bad players, and he just hasn't been able to do it since he left Everton, unfortunately. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I'll back Arsenal in two or three now. I think fairly comfortable for them. Um, Watford at home to Hull is the next game, and I think a lot of that will depend on uh, how we set up our formation. If we stick with the three-five-two that boded well for the second half against Stoke, and also got us through relatively comfortably in the cup. Um, I think we'll do damage to Watford in that game. Um, Watford themselves haven't been travelling too well lately. They had that nil-nil draw with Swansea last week and, and only scraped over Middlesbrough the week before. Um, so I think it could be an interesting game. I, I think there is a chance that we could win this one. Um, how do you see it? Oh, it, It'll be interesting because it'll be close. I'll give you that. Uh, <laughs> aside from that, it might not too be that uh, be that interesting for, for the neutral. Yeah, Watford aren't scoring at the same rate they were scoring last year. That kind of Dini Darlow thing isn't happening um, so much this year. So I'm actually thinking this might be a fairly boring nil-nil draw, and I think Mike Phelan might just be happy to start picking up some more points. I think I'd be happy with that as well. Um... West Brom at home to Man City uh, is the is another midnight game, um, and it'll be a bit interesting because Pulis does have a tendency to scrape out results in in uh, games against some of the bigger clubs. Um, I guess I'm thinking particularly of Spurs uh, in terms of draws that he can pull out. Um, but for Man City's sake, they really do need to get back on the winning trail. Um, we've already sort of said that it's not a huge concern, but if the if the run did continue a few more games, it would start to get a bit worrying, um, particularly if they started slipping down the table a little bit. Uh, so do you see City coming out and breathing fire in this game? I think so. I think I think that Guardiola has heard for the last for the last week that you know he hasn't won in six games. It's the worst worst run since two thousand and eight. So I think wasn't it? It's like the first year anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> managing so, you know, I think if if his players have anything about them, then they'll be wanting to kind of do do well by him. And yeah, I can see if if City score an early goal, this could be a bloodbath. Um, and I think they will. But if they don't, then it could be really tight, and City might kind of tighten up if they're not creating chances. But I'll back in a 4-0 Man City. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it could go the pretty aggressive, I know. Yeah, well, um, if they can get Aguero to score a goal early, I think that would certainly open him up and open the, the team up to um, a bit more fluidity and confidence and, and maybe start scoring. But yeah, I mean, the longer it goes while they're waiting for that goal, uh, it could certainly get a bit tense for them. Um, United at home to Burnley, so you get Keane coming home uh, in, in that one. Um, do you envisage any trouble with Burnley in that one? Oh, I visit trouble every week. <laughs> the moment, <laughs> uh, I think this. I think for the moment, you know, I just need to concentrate on picking up the three points. Uh, I'm not too bothered about the performance right now. We just need to stay as close as we can to the kind of top top teams, and then hope that performances start improving as the season goes along and the squad starts to gel a bit more. And get to understand Jose's tactics, but yeah, look, mate, I'll I'll be happy with a two-one victory, and that's what I think it'll be. Um, I I think you'll keep a clean sheet in this one. I'm not hugely confident in Burnley's scoring ability. I think, I mean, they they've scored a little bit lately, but is uh, I don't know when Andre Gray is back. It must be pretty soon, if, if not this game. But I haven't heard anything about it. Um, because he said that suspension for his uh previous indiscretions mm. but, um, um, yeah, yeah it'll certainly be an interesting one I think you guys should get up in that one pretty comfortably though um, Spurs at home to Leicester which is a pretty big game after the title race last season and I think there'll be a bit of uh, feeling in this one from both sets of supporters uh, I think I saw a banner that, that Leicester had made for the game which was basically saying that Spurs had managed to, to finish third in a two horse race um, so I think there'll be a lot of uh, reminders and feeling about that title race in this game. Um, how do you see this one panning out? I mean, Leicester have been pretty woeful away from home lately. Yeah, this could. Uh, yeah, it's just this team is really hard, really hard. It 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 re- all depends on Leicester's mentality and how ha- and how they approach this game. If they if they want to win these Premier League games, then and they come then they put out their full strength side and come at them. As hard as as, as as hard as possible on that counter attack, then this could be a really free flowing, high scoring game, and I think it might be a high scoring draw. But on the other hand, if they don't turn up with the right mentality, Spurs will just bitch them. But I think I'll go for a a two two draw. Yeah, I think it could be a draw in that one as well. Um, although. The Man City game, I think if Spurs can score a goal early, I think it could open up quite a bit. And, and Leicester seem to be having trouble um, defending set pieces. So, um, yeah, it does. It does uh, not. It doesn't bode well for Leicester in that sense. But Spurs' ability to score goals has um, has been a struggle for recent weeks. Um, Middlesbrough at home to Bournemouth. Um, interesting stat I came across the other week or the other day. I would say. Well, Watford against Hull City and Middlesbrough versus Bournemouth are both unique fixtures for the Premier League in the sense that there is, there is no prior Premier League meetings between those teams, um, which I found quite interesting that we've got two of them occurring on the same weekend. Um, obviously, Bournemouth, first time in the Premier League, um, and with mm-hmm. Hull and Watford, obviously, being in the Premier League at different points in time. Um, Middlesbrough at home really need to start picking up some points because they're sort of drifting towards the relegation zone at the moment. Do you see them getting up against Bournemouth or are Bournemouth in, in too good a form for them? Oh, I think Bournemouth are too good to, 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 to lose this game and they just play a 
They're, they're always trying to stall. Actually, that's hilarious because they didn't stall last weekend. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, what, what I should say is that they're always a danger of stalling, you know. Not because they've got quality players in every position, but the style of football they play and that's very intricate and they know where, where everyone's going to be inside out all, all game. And I'm just not sure that Borough... Well, they didn't put away their chances last weekend when they should have done it against Arsenal. And they haven't been creating too many chances in most of the other games that I've seen them play in. However, given it's uh, it's an away game and it's a long way to travel, I don't envy the Bournemouth away supporters. Jesus. Um, I reckon it'll be a, a nil-nil and about a 12-hour bus ride. Yeah, it'd be pretty rough for the Bournemouth supporters. I I, I can see this one being a, a scrappy game, like you're saying, but I could see a 1-0 result either way in that one. It's just a bit hard to to tell which way that's going to go. Um, Crystal Palace at home to Liverpool is a fixture that people seem to enjoy for one reason or another. There's been a few in, uh, interesting results in this one over the years, um, especially at Selhurst Park, um, not, not least the 3-3 draw back when Liverpool were hoping for the title um, a couple of seasons back. Benteke against his old club as well adds another layer of um, context to this game. Um, how do you see this one panning out? Well, I really wish that uh, Dwight Gale was still there. They used to have a field yeah. day against Liverpool's defence, but unfortunately he's decided to take the easy way out and bang goals in the championship. Um, well, <laughs> Benteke can't afford to miss the chances that he has been missing of of late, if they have, have a chance. But he's, he's got a point to prove. Well, he should have a point to prove <laughs> in this game. And this is at uh, Selhurst Park? Yeah, it's at Selhurst Park. I reckon that Pardew, Pardew will be wanting to tell, to tell, to kind of match up against Klopp. You know, everyone, he'll, he'll be thinking, everyone's talking about the, this Johnny Foreigner, he's just turned up and had a stroke of luck. That's that's kind of the, the way he thinks, and he'll think he's as good, and I think he'll thrive in this game on the sideline. And I, I reckon I, I fancy a draw. I fancy a, a 1-1 draw. Yeah, I'm probably with you on that one. I think a score draws the way it's going to go in this one. Um, it'll be interesting to see quite how the game pans out. I think there will be a lot resting on Benteke in terms of Palace for uh, scoring chances, but then you never know. They could also get a couple of chances at set pieces with their defence um, always looking dangerous. So it could be an interesting one. Mm. Um, Everton at home to West Ham. Everton probably pretty desperate for a win at this point just to kind of get back on track, and West Ham suddenly looking pretty half-decent. Um, Lukaku, I think, has scored in something like his last six or seven games against West Ham or something crazy like that, um, which bodes well for him, I guess, in, in getting on the score sheet again. Um, but how do you see this one panning out? I'm just not convinced by West Ham. There's been such a big change from last year and the, the football they play, they're creating lots of chances. And they just haven't been haven't been doing that so much, and they really haven't had anyone who's been able to finish up front for most of the season. So, given that, and given Everton a home, I think Everton will have too much and do this relatively comfortably. I'll say three one. Yeah, I mean, I think Everton at home should be too good for for West Ham, but it is funny that West Ham sort of looking like they're playing better away from home, generally speaking, because of perhaps the issues with the, the new stadium. Things like that. So, 
Uh, it could be a tight one, but I, I think Everton will edge them in that one. Maybe 2-1, I think, yeah. Um, Southampton at home to Chelsea. Um, both teams in pretty stellar form, so this could be a quite an interesting game to watch. Um, Southampton pretty good in terms of keeping clean sheets. Um, away from home, I suppose, more than at home. Um, whereas Chelsea look like they're pretty open and, and scoring quite a lot of goals at the moment, which we haven't been used to from Chelsea for a couple of years now, probably since the Ancelotti days. Uh, how do you see this one panning out? I think this is probably game of the week. Yeah. I'd say this looks like an absolute cracker. Um, given the recent form of the two sides. But yeah, it's very hard to call either way. I mean, the way Charlie Austin's been been playing this season certainly bodes well and Costa really hasn't hit his stride so much. It's more the other guys around him who are doing the bulk of the scoring. But and this is at uh, St Mary's? Yeah. Oh, I, I have to say a draw, I think. 1-1. One, one. Did you see um, Buffal's goal in the cup against Sunderland? It was... Yeah, I mean, it looks like they found another gem. Um, I mean, I, th- I have a feeling, is he their record signing? So it's not as if he was yeah, one of their players on the cheap. But yeah, yeah. But uh, he, he could be the latest player that um, gets linked to, you know, Liverpool or United. Well, or whatever I, hope, it is. Uh, I hope he doesn't go to Liverpool. Yeah, I'm probably with you. I mean, I think it could be a draw in this one. Probably uh, 1-1, similar to their game against Man City last week. But... Um, it's certainly the game of the round and, and certainly one that will be pretty interesting to watch. Um, going from one game of the round to probably the most uh, uninteresting game of the round is Stoke against Swansea to round off the weekend. Um, it's at the Britannia for Stoke. Um, what have you made of Bradley's start at Swansea and, and do you see him sort of pulling them out of trouble? Because uh, it hasn't looked too good so far. No, it hasn't looked a bit of silly days. I guess uh, when you do change your manager usually means you're doing poorly and you're always looking for that new manager bounce as they call it, you know, yeah. because players feel like, well, for whatever reason, the old the old manager, you know, they were out of favour or, or whatever and they're, they're trying to impress the new manager but it's just not kind of happening for them at the moment but it's still, it's, it, it's still early days, still early days. Oh, and in terms of, in terms of Stoke, well, they're kind of a, a little bit, you probably know more than me based on last week, but aside from Shakiri, there doesn't look to be too much going forward. I haven't really seen Arnautovic do that well this year. No, he's been pretty underwhelming, I think. Same with uh, Bayan. Yeah. So I'm probably, probably a little bit too reliant on guys like uh, Shakiri. So I reckon this is going to be nil-nil. I would say nil-nil, but the only reason I reckon there'll be a goal in this one is Joe Allen against Swansea. I could almost pencil him <laughs> for a goal, given the form he's been in lately. So I reckon he'll score in this one. And, and Sigurdsson for, for Swansea has been looking pretty good as well. So I might actually back a, a 1-1 draw in that one. Did, did you hear what uh, Joe Allen said in the, in the press couple weeks ago? Uh, you, know no. that, you know that he's a Man United fan? Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. He got interviewed, and it was in the papers. He's a United fan, and he playing, played at Liverpool. Playing the Liverpool's a bit of an interesting one. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think he, he uh, kept that one under wraps for quite some time, <laughs> and it's, it's 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 really funny because often when when a player and look, I think I think all football fans are the same. 
But when a player leaves your club, you usually want the best for them and you kind of keep following them, like with me and Michael Keane and uh, Will Keane, James Weird, guys like that. And Liverpool fans are almost usually kind of cheering when Joe Allen does anything. <laughs> and yet he's a buddy United fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, that's, a, that's an interesting um, revelation. I, yeah, I hadn't picked up on that one. Hmm. Um, well... From uh, from that United fan to this United fan, thanks much. Thanks so much for coming on, Bayan. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. No worries, and thanks everyone for listening in. Uh, hopefully, your team gets a good result, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>